Welcome to Pilates Teacher's Manual, your guide to becoming a great Pilates teacher. I'm Olivia, and I'll be your host. Join the conversation on Instagram at Pilates Teacher's Manual. Today's chapter starts now. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are back at it again today discussing best ways, best practices, common attempts, I'm not sure, but tools to empower your students to select the right class for them or to self-select the right class for them. This episode comes from a couple common experiences that I've had while teaching, especially teaching leveled classes and ways that I've dealt with them. I'd also love this episode to be a conversation with you as teachers if you've had similar experiences or how you've dealt with these situations, maybe things you've said or things you've done that have helped students get into a class that is a good fit for them. I do want to preface this and say that I am not trying to be judgmental or be a gatekeeper or limit people from trying new things, but I do think that in these specific experiences that I'm going to talk about today, it's not about limiting a person's capacity as much as a safety concern, a actual experience with Pilates concern with disrupting the group class or that group environment concern. So this is specifically for group classes, experiences that you may have in your group class. So what am I talking about? There's kind of a spectrum of experiences here. I want to talk about two different sides of the spectrum, and that is a beginning student shows up in an advanced class and an advanced student shows up in a beginning class. An advanced student in a beginning class specifically may not be a problem, but the case study that I'm going to be sharing with you would be if it was a problem. So let's look at a person who is a beginner shows up to an advanced class and very clearly they should not be in that class. Again, not judgmentally, but they do not have experience with Pilates. They do not have stability. In the advanced classes that I teach, we're standing on unstable surfaces like the chair, like the reformer. And if you do not have body awareness and ability to listen to instructions, perhaps stability at the center and a degree of control of your body, Doing complicated movements on an unstable surface is not going to serve you well, especially when you have those beginning students in the advanced classes. They haven't really done the work to appreciate what's happening in that advanced class, and there could be a very real safety concern when it comes to being on those unstable surfaces. The flip side of that spectrum would be an advanced person in a beginning class who is not listening to the instructions, not following along with the class, that they're doing more advanced choreography than what is being asked of them, maybe kind of a showing off vibe, and that they are distracting and disrupting the other students in class. So those are two things that may happen in your class, have definitely happened in my class, and how are we going to confront that situation, diffuse that situation, and then ideally avoid that situation in the future. When I have an advanced class on my schedule, talking about that first scenario, 
I do check the roster and see who is in the class before I teach it. Ideally, I'm at the studio before I teach for a few minutes. I can get everything set up and I can see who's in my classes for the evening. Especially for an advanced class, I've seen these people before. I've worked with these people before. I have some familiarity with their body, with their capabilities, maybe even the exercises that they like doing and exercises that they don't like doing. So if I check the roster and I see a name that I don't recognize, I usually look that person up in the system and see what other classes they've taken. Have they taken classes with other teachers? Have they taken other level two classes, just not with me? And we kind of see what their class history is at the studio. That's not a perfect way of knowing because they may be visiting from another studio or they may be new to your studio, but they haven't taken classes. They could be very capable and everything could be fine. I do make a point to talk with them before class if I can. It's kind of weird with our COVID protocol. Students aren't coming in until five minutes before, so I don't have as much time to chat. But I will make a point to go over and introduce myself and say, hey, how are you doing? Tell me a little bit about your experience with Pilates. And then what they say in response to that is really going to determine how I'm going to have to adapt the class to meet them. As I said, they might be fine. They may just be visiting from another studio. They may have just started. They may have total competency and ability to be in this class. Sometimes they don't. So I do have a little bit of a spiel that isn't standardized, but the things that I try to hit, just like a real quick thing that I say to them before class starts. I'm so glad that you're in class today. Just to let you know, this is an advanced class. We will be going a little bit faster. There will be more choreography and faster choreography happening. As always, do what you can. Do what feels right in your body. Your body is the boss. I am going to be giving options, so make sure that you follow the option that fits for you. 100%, you don't need to do anything that you are unsure of or don't feel comfortable doing. Okay, I'll check in with you during class. As always, I try to frame it really positively that... I'm glad that you're here. I want you to have a positive experience, but just a heads up, this class is an advanced class, which it says when you signed up for it, but, you know, just reiterating that and giving them permission to not do everything I think is also important so that even in this class that they chose to take, they can choose to do everything or choose to do some things. But it's tricky, especially when they get to the reformer and they're like not sure where to go for footwork. And they could be a very competent athletic person, but they just may not have that familiarity with Pilates, which would make this advanced class even more difficult than if you were just doing an advanced class when you have that Pilates experience. During the class, there's a couple ways it can go. There's infinite ways that it can go, but one camp is leave them behind and just keep going Do the class pretty much the way you would regularly offer modifications and let them flounder. That's not my favorite thing to do. I might do that if it's the second time that this person comes into the advanced class or that's like a frequent thing that happens because, again, I don't want to compromise the advanced class that I've planned and that the other students are expecting because this person is here and they really shouldn't be. Does that make sense? feel like I sound really judgmental. And again, that is not the goal. It's just because it's a group experience, because the class has a level, the expectation is that I'm going to teach a class at that level. Yes, teaching the bodies in front of me, but also 
confirming the class that is on the schedule or affirming what's on the schedule. So you can leave them behind and teach the class that you're already going to teach. If safety is like a huge issue, if we are doing things where we're lunging or standing or doing things on the reformer while it's moving, another option that I have and that I've taken, and it's not my favorite option, but sometimes it's a necessity, and that's babysitting, where I'm next to that person the entire time, like holding their hand without holding their hand, offering them like really personalized modifications if I'm really concerned about them falling. But the juggle there is I can't let the class stay back with them. I need the class to keep going and then I need to be able to stay back with them, which takes a lot of comfort as a teacher to be able to juggle almost two class plans at the same time. It's not something that I can do all the time, but I will make a point to always start from an intermediate exercise and then take it to an advanced exercise. I have a pretty good relationship with my advanced students that I expect them to be able to follow verbal cues while I'm assisting someone else or to be familiar enough with the exercise that I can cue them slightly less and give more attention to this person for safety reasons. In the moment in the class, I'm not sure what else you can do because I refuse to change the entire class for this person. And that's the same if I have someone in an advanced class who has, you know, something going on with their wrist or something going on with their ankle that I'm going to give them modifications, but I'm not going to like not teach pull-ups on the chair because of their wrist. You know, maybe I'll have them pike on the reformer and like forearm plank, you know, facing the headrest so that they're getting that piking action without being on their wrist. But I'm not going to take out that exercise because that one person is not able to do it. Right now in COVID planning and scheduling, there's six people in the class, but I would have full classes before COVID who have 12 people in the class and you can't teach the class for that one person. You just offer modifications and go forward. Now I sound really callous, but that's kind of what group is like. It's about that group experience. After that class, I like to work with the front desk if I've flagged this person as this is not really the class for them. So maybe the front desk can talk to them after class and say, hey, how was it? Or I'll talk to them after like, hey, how are you feeling? How was that class? Advanced classes are real crazy tough, right? And again, I'll try to affirm them. Like, I'm so glad that you tried it. A lot of the foundational exercises, a lot of the modifications that I saw you taking today, we really work on those in our intermediate class or in our, you know, level one class. And I'll say things like, you know, this class isn't going anywhere. It'll still be there for you, but you may benefit from revisiting some of that foundational stuff. Even though it's not the sexy stuff, it's very important to safely execute these exercises. And in a perfect world, the person agrees with me and is like, wow, I had no idea that it was so tough or I just wanted to try it or this was the only time that fit in my schedule. Like there's lots of reasons that they might be in there. But again, just framing everything as positively as you can so that that student still has a great experience. Coming up after the break, I'm going to talk about if an advanced student is showing off in a level one class and then also some reasons why students may be in a class that is not the right level for them and why it's important that they are in a class that is a good level for them and really what your role as a teacher or what I see my role as a teacher as being in either of these circumstances. 
Hi there. I hope you're enjoying today's chapter so far. There's lots of awesome stuff coming up after the break as well. Please share this episode with your friends and followers and share the Pilates love. Now back to the show. For the advanced person who is doing their own thing during your beginning or level one class, I would like to point out that this is different than a student who has taken the progressions that you've offered them. So in last week's episode where I was talking about offering progressions for exercises, and you may have people doing three different exercises that are the same exercise, but at different levels in your class, this is different from that. This is we're doing a standing lunge or Eve's lunge beside the reformer, and they're doing floating lunges into planks or pikes or arabesques or something that is just not what you're cueing, not what you're offering, and is becoming a distraction and a disruption to your other students. Kind of phase one with those students, depending again on how disruptive it's being, is I'll ignore them and keep engaging, you know, keep the class going forward. If it gets to the point where other students, especially in beginning classes where students aren't 100% comfortable with the choreography or 100% experienced with the exercises, sometimes they will copy the person who looks the most confident if this person who is showing off looks the most confident and then other students try mimicking that. Or if you get like that uncomfortable vibe that people are not uh, really feeling it. Then, I mean, I like to joke, I diffuse a lot of situations with humor. So I'll say things like, all right, let's all bring our feet back down to the ground. Let's go through this together. And usually that'll get a laugh or let's try it the way I'm cueing this time. And then people will laugh, especially if it was confusing and we had lots of people doing lots of different things. A lot of my sense of humor is highly contextual, so it's difficult for me to actually even think about what I joke about, but I'll say a joke to get everyone's attention and see if that brings it back. If not, I will talk to that person during class quietly, not in a public shaming way, but just be like, hey, that's not the exercise that we're working on right now. Uh, Can you stay with me for this? Sometimes there's a little bit of an ego stroke in there where I'll say like, you know, I really need you and the Pilates experience you have to really show other students what I'm talking about. Like, can you help me with that? Where you kind of ask a favor and that puts them in a position of helping you by doing the thing that you want them to do. I'll also talk to the person after class and say, hey, you know, I saw you were working on this thing. We don't really work on that in the level one classes, but I'd love to have you in my intermediate or advanced class where we can really workshop that movement. Or I'll throw privates out there like I'd really love to do a private session with you and we can really work on that thing that you were doing, you know. Even in this case, trying to frame it as positively as possible and not making it an attack or anything where they would be defensive. You really want to make that as positive as possible. For the same reasons that the beginning student may have been in that advanced class, it may have been the only thing that fit in their schedule. Like We really don't know the entire story of what's going on with them, so just assuming good intentions and then offering other options. 
sometimes students get it right away, which I appreciate. And it's not expected. I mean, no one has to be able to read my mind, but sometimes students understand. And in the case of the beginning student in the advanced class, maybe they tried a beginning class, they thought it was too easy, and they really wanted something hard. Easy and hard in the exercise world have been really co-opted in ways that do not serve Pilates well, because just because you're working on a foundational movement or you're lying down on the reformer or you're sitting on the reformer where it's a little bit more stable doesn't mean that you aren't working at all. Sometimes, you know, students think that those lower level classes are easier, like building the foundation is easy, so I don't have to do it. I like to throw in, if that's the attitude that I'm getting from that beginning student, that, you know, the better you get at Pilates, the more difficult those level one classes get. I'll share a personal example with them that, you know, if I do footwork and I'm engaging my abdominals the whole time and I'm activating my posterior chain and I'm, you know, really concentrating on my axial elongation, see, like throw some fancy words out there. I'm sweating when I do footwork, regardless of the class level I'm in. I can get a great workout in a flow one or in a level one class. Whatever the reason the student has for choosing the level that they chose, I want students to be successful and to get the most out of the class. And I don't personally believe that a student with limited Pilates experience is going to get the most out of an advanced class where the foundations are almost assumed that you have and we're just putting icing on the cake, but we expect that you made the cake beforehand. Like if you don't have a cake, frosting is not super useful. Same thing for that advanced student that is really trying to workshop their fancy choreography in a level one class. A level one class has amazing benefits in terms of working with your foundation or seeing what you're working on in a new light, revisiting those basics, those building blocks, but they may not be getting the most out of that. So in both of those cases, I would recommend that those students take classes at a different level than the class that they chose. In a perfect world, talking with them, we understand each other. Different choices would be made in the future, or if they choose those classes, their expectations have been changed. As a teacher, it is a bit of a juggling act because you've got everyone's expectations, not just these students, but all of the students in your class. And part of being a teacher, especially in a group class, is that you have to juggle all of those things at the same time. I always recommend privates in either case. Like, I'd love to work with you on that. Oh, you really want to nail those pull-ups on the chair? That's awesome. I'd love to work with you on that. Oh, you want to do this fancy choreography, but this is a flow one. I'd love to work with you one-on-one and really make that happen. I don't know what the success rate is for talking with students I mean, you might have someone who comes a few times, or I've had students who do take my advanced classes who know that they're not maybe at that level just yet, but they're going to stay with that 1.5 option. I always tell people that I think the biggest requirement for being in an advanced class is that you need to be able to listen to the instructions and also know your body and know your personal limitations. If you aren't 100% there on all the exercises for a level two class, but you know that and you're modifying appropriately, you're not holding the class back, you're not being a distraction, you are getting the most out of your class, you are having that positive experience. It's like highly case specific, but those are some things that I think about when I have one of those outliers in one of my classes. 
Is there something magical that you do to get people there? I know some studios, you have to have teacher permission to get into an advanced class. I've been in studios that have done that with a great degree of success. Again, I think it really just depends on student expectations and studio ability to offer that. There's lots of ways to approach this. I would love to hear what you do if you have any magic words. And yeah, if there's anything else that really helps students feel successful in your classes, I'd love to hear about it as well. Reach out to me on Instagram at Pilates Teachers Manual. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for joining me for today's chapter of Pilates Teacher's Manual, your guide to becoming a great Pilates teacher. If you loved today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Pilates Teacher's Manual or send me an email to Pilates Teacher's Manual at oliviabioni.com. The adventure continues. Until next time.